0: I'm very pleased to introduce our panellists. So we've got Alison Duke, Collections Manager at the Foundling Museum. Uh, Bethany Hayes, Senior Producer at Battersea Arts Centre, who um, uh, looks after the Wandsworth Collection, I believe, and um, is going to be talking a little bit about a particular project that engaged artists with that. And um, also um, Tim Corran, Director of Curatorial and Public Engagement at the Horniman Museum. And um, both Tim and Alison... Um, as you've probably surmised from my intro, uh, were, um, you know, instrumental in making the ArtQuest research residencies happen at those institutions. So we're really, really grateful for that. So um, I just wanted to kick off uh, and um, I wanted to see if I could ask each of you to give a quick overview about um, how your organisation generally works with artists um more broadly and a little bit about the nature of the collections that you're responsible for and if i could sort of kick off with bethany please that'd yeah be great yeah
1: um, hi so yes yeah, so those of you who maybe haven't heard of battersea arts center um we're a sort of arts and community organization based in southwest london um, we're housed in a very very beautiful grade two listed 125 year old former town hall building um, and as an organization uh, we've existed as an art center Forty-five years, um, so we're quite established as an arts organisation, um, but we've only identified as a museum and been custodians of the collection for, for the past three years. So that part of our practice is really, really new. And um, lots of people know us as a theatre, and for years we've got a sort of international reputation for developing uh, innovative theatre work. Um, but we also um, work with artists across lots of other sort of art forms and in recent years have really had an emphasis on sort of social change and, and also support sort of social entrepreneurs and other, um, other people within our organisation. Uh, in terms of the way that we work with artists, we work with hundreds of artists a year, but um, if I was talking to you in theatre language, I'd probably describe us using uh, these terms, which is as um, both a receiving house, a development house and a producing house. And what that means is um, a lot of the artists that we work with each year bring finished shows, finished pieces of work to us that they've developed um, potentially elsewhere. We've gone to see it as a producing team, um, liked it, thought it was brilliant, brought, invited it to come back. Um, when I talk about us as a development house, so we have um, something like 80 rooms in our building. It's, it's huge. Um, and most of the time, those rooms will be filled and occupied by artists developing new work. Um, a lot of the time they've come, they've come to us and said I want to develop this work and um, the you know, ideas originated with them um, and we are just supporting that idea to be developed um, and yeah that's a lot of, we'll always have artists across all of our rooms um, and some of that work might end up being something which is performance based or it might be something installation based a um, real range of what, what that work could um, become um, but when I talk about us as a producing house um, that's kind of Another area of our work, which is when we um, sort of initiate that work with, with those artists, we might um, come to them with a particular commissioning brief um, or a particular community that we want people to work with, and we sort of we're then become kind of equal or leading partners in thinking about the outcome of that work. We often, we will bring money to the table, whether we're co-co co-commissioners and, 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 and just and putting part of the budget in um, uh, or whether we're fully funding that project. And that um, is where most of our work within our with our collections is currently sitting. Um, and so a lot of yeah a lot of the work where we are kind of originating is, is work that often responds to maybe our site. Our building, our history, um, or we have particular audiences or topics or themes that as an organisation we're preoccupied by. And in terms of our collections, uh, as I said, we've uh, so about four years ago we were approached by Wandsworth Museum, the council, um, looking for um, a future for their collection, um, and we then merged with that organisation. Um, so we are custodians of the Wandsworth collection, um, which is has something like 11,000 objects of uh, local social history, um, and that came with its own store, which is about 20 minutes away from Battersea Arts Centre. Um, we have also, for the last six years, um, managed our own archive, which is an archive of the town hall as well as the Arts Centre's history. Um, and then I often refer to our building, actually, as our sort of third collection in some way, um, because that's something that we've been interpreting and understanding um, for, for much longer than we have in our collections and I think that's uh, informed a lot of the way that we interpret and understand and invite artists to work with our collections through the, how we've done that with our, with our building. Great, thank you. Alison, maybe?
2: Sure. So, um, the founding Museum has been around for 15 years now but the collection has been around for much longer and has actually been in the sense publicly available since the middle of the 18th century where um, they kind of had this big collection that was donated by artists by and large. So it's been very much an artist-driven collection, which is quite an interesting concept for us. And then, so it's been kind of a tricky one for us of navigating between a kind of collection that's been developing over years and a kind of new museum. And the core of it is kind of 18th-century British painting, largely. Some sculpture. For us at the museum, we very much see um, the kind of role of art both within the collection and with the work that we do as much broader than just painters and sculptors. So it's also the people who made the clocks in the collection, it's the people who made the furniture, it's the man who made the plaster ceiling in one of our grand rooms. And I think for us, you know, that idea of being broader, you know, it's musicians, it's composers, it's writers... You know, it's everybody who kind of has in some way contributed creatively to the institution of the founding hospital and then also to the museum. Um, For us, in terms of the work that we do with artists, there have been right from the beginning back in 2004, we kind of knew that we wanted to create some way of working with contemporary artists today. And it's been developing very much since that point of trying to get an artist to either engage with our collections, our story, our building, and create maybe new work or bring in existing work that kind of fits within the narratives that we have here. And so pretty much every year we do either an exhibition or a display that features, you know, an artist or group of artists. Um, they have been a mixture, a game, of an artist creating new work for that project or an artist with an existing body, which matches the theme. We also have a fellowship kind of scheme where every two years we invite three individuals to become founding fellows. And they broadly fit into the sort of themes of our kind of free heroes of the institution, which is the painter William Hogarth, the composer George Frederick Handel, and the founder of the founding hospital, Thomas Coram. And so they have been a mixture of visual artists, musicians, composers, sound artists, um, writers. We currently, um, one of the people who is our new lot of fellow is the um, woman who won the award for best teacher in the world last year. <laughs> oh. So it's really good, and I'm really excited about what she might do with us. over um, So that's the kind of thing. And then um, we were approached by Nick to kind of do the kind of residency, and that was a very new thing for us. We hadn't really actually had somebody kind of embedded in that way before.
0: Great. So. Thank you.
3: Tim? And so I'm just reading about best teacher in the world. Yeah. Quite, I that's if quite a have... prize, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, it's just a as side. we have an aquarium at the Horniman, <laughs> and our aquarist is the best aquarist in the world. <laughs> so I wonder if there's a best artist in the world? That'd best be curator? In the... No, tricky. that tricky. would be difficult, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so yes, back to the Horniman. So, so um, I'm the director of the curatorial and public engagement teams at the Horniman, so that's, the, that's essentially the curatorial teams, the learning teams, the programming teams. And you were very fortunate because you got a couple of people in the audience today from the Horniman. Just, can you just sit sort of away?
0: <laughs>
2: Dropped in and
3: <laughs> Ollie are here today. and so if you, By all means, I'm around today as well, but, but if you want to come and talk to me later on, that's fine, but Ollie and Daniela are here today as well, and they, they won't hear about your work. Um, so the Horniman is, um, is a museum and gardens. So the first thing to sort of say is that um, one of the most extraordinary assets that the Horniman has is 20 acres of, of land in, in South London with the most amazing view of London. And that's one of the, mo- one of the things that inspires a lot of the, the, the artists, the community organisations and, the, and the, um, the, the the young people that, that come and work with us. Um, and it's been there for about 100 years. Um, museums often bear the imprint of their founder. It's really I'm really fascinated how museums kind of... The, the, even the culture, their working culture sometimes can, is imbued with that very early foundation. The Horn was founded by tea merchant Frederick Horniman, um, who was back in the Edwardian period and one of the late Victorian period was one of the wealthiest people in the country. Um, so he made a lot of money through tea and he could have chosen to spend that in any way that he wanted um, and a lot of his rich friends would buy expensive artworks from Italy and French Impressionists, But Horniman um, was obsessed with everyday life, the, the life of everyday people and the environment that they sit in. They sit in. So, and he'd, he spent quite a lot of his, his time travelling throughout the world. And so over that, that period, he'd, he'd become obsessed with the differences, the similarities and differences of environments and people. And he amassed a collection, um, which he had in his house, Um, and and it was basically just crammed full and so he got to the point where he decided he needs to build a museum so he built a museum um, where it still stands today um, um, on London Road in Forest Hill and if you haven't been there it would be be great to see you and you're welcome, it's free entry Um, so you can come and wander around um, just as you want Um, and the collection has developed since then So, so since then um, I mean, his his approach um, was quite antiquarian, but it had this kind of um, it had this vision for recording the lives of everyday people. And through the, the uh, through the twentieth century, that developed, we developed that as a as a very strong anthropological strand of the collection. So a lot of the collections have been formed um, within the framework of anthropology, um, and that's really important for us today. So so the collections we divide the collections into four. Um, So we have an anthropology collection of over 80,000 objects from all over the world. One of the most important in the country, probably one there's there's two or three which are also significant in that way. We have the the UK's largest, uh, most diverse collection of musical instruments as well, which is an extraordinary collection. So one of three or four internationally have um, um, great expertise um, in that, world-round expertise. We also have very good natural history collections, um, which which again... um, are international um, and we also have a, a fourth area of the collections which we call the living collections. I mentioned the aquarist, we've got an aquarium, we've also got a kind of a, a small zoo for children um, <laughs> and, but we've also got this ext- these 20 acres and so, and so our, our horticulture, our gardening, our aquarium and, and animal team curate um, those collections and do some really important research Um, The the aquarium, for example, is world-leading in coral reproduction research and is leading very significant international research around uh, reef reef restoration programmes. So that gives you a flavour of the opportunities that one offers. The other thing, as it talks about anthropology and this participatory way of collecting, so it's a lot of the work that anthropology has led to is about working with people. So we don't collect... People. We don't collect things about people, we collect with communities and with people. And that's another really important strand of our work. So we've got these five specialisms um, which span all human existence across the world. So it's a very big brief, but we're a very small team. Um, So we do work with a lot of external partners. Um, The team really enjoy working with artists. Um, The ArtQuest is one example of the kind of work that we do with artists. so was a, a it was it's a tremendous opportunity for us to work um, for you know a considerable period of time with, with um, closely with an artist to reveal the collections um, to the artist for the, the artist to work with our community um, engagement uh, staff and also our visitors. Um, we also commission artists on a, on a regular basis, and so. At the moment, we've done a a significant commission every year um, associated with the studio project, which Anila has been leading. Um, And that commission is very much around social practice. So it's about looking at the collections and our community organisations as a resource for developing new work and new meaning. Um, We do commission to acquire very occasionally. Um, We opened a new world gallery in 2018. As part of that, uh, we commissioned um, some new work. From, from artists um, and we also have what we call some small micro residencies or micro commissions we might between, do between 10 and 20 of those each year funded from different various um, 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 pots of money um, and that's across all, all areas all, all different art forms and so um, one of the things just to mention is we do work a lot around um, with contemporary visual arts we also work with performance do a lot of work with dance do a lot of work with music
0: well, I think one, one of the interesting things also in getting this day of uh, panel discussions together is this really kind of, um, you know, ArtQuest works with visual artists primarily, uh, but, but actually in terms of the types of artists that in, engage with sort of museum collections, the, the approach is far more kind of interdisciplinary than, than you know, uh, the, maybe the types of applications that you might get for your traditional sort of studio residency, which I guess makes sense. But um, uh, before, I wanted, bef- I'm going to ask everyone about what, what the kind of motivations were for kind of getting, bringing a research residency artist in. But I, I wanted to ask Bethany first, because uh, your project, uh, you did a sort of particular project which worked, brought, invited artists to engage with um, museum items and I'm right in saying that that was that kind of broadened the range of artists that you worked with a little bit as well so it was it wasn't sort of just performance artists it was visual artists and artists with a socially engaged practice Um, as well
1: yeah, a lot of the time the artists that we work with are from having gone and seen their work and been excited about it for it back. Um, but this was, uh, we called them Inspiration Days, and it's an opportunity for us to really meet new people mm. um, and, and, and work with people for the first time, as well as also invite people that we're excited about to attend. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, we've run quite a few Inspiration Days. I'm actually seeing Manchester Jewish Museum here, and we also went them to run one, um, their museum. And we found it quite an effective way of... Um, Working with, yeah, meeting lots of new people and um, we often talk about the way we planting lots of seeds, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and, and and then seeing which ones of those grow and which ones we're excited by. Um, so this particular inspiration day was part of a festival called um, Homegrown Octopi Festival that was led by an associate uh, director um, at Battersea Arts Centre who was really interested in well, it was it was kind it was programmed at a time when we were supposedly leaving the EU. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, uh, kind of tackling some of those questions. It was an ex- uh, a festival that we usually have for one or two weeks that was extended for a month, um, which is about um, kind of focusing young young voices. Um, and, and he also brought a particular anger he wanted to. Uh, uh, kind of highlight um, artists um, and communities who maybe are traditionally underrepresented um, in art spaces um and this part, this day was kind of as part of that festival uh, but we really wanted to invite artists who were interested in those themes um to come and engage with our collection mm. as well um and so it's uh, a model that we've used before, as I said, where we, we um, invite applications for people, um, and then from those applications, we choose people to come, and, and that's based on kind of a range of people mm-hmm. uh, to come and uh, explore a particular provocation. In this instance, it was Tower um, Work Collections, um, and we had a few guest speakers just saying that Rachel from Tim's team came yeah. to speak um and we um we kind of explore that kind of area of practice which often for these days it's often something that's new for us as well either it's we want to engage with new types of art form or yeah. whether it's um, new content so for us um you know we're really starting to say hey we have a museum collection yeah. um it's really new for us we're not curators we're not a traditional museum um and we're really interested about um, all of our work, kind of being in collaboration with artists, and mm. how we explore that collection and understand it. Um, so we we ask people uh, to private the day. Um, one of the things we asked them to do in those application was to sort of say, based on their, and um, we use the word sort of, of hopes and fears for the future. Mm. Um, what research brief would you set a, a collections manager, you know, if you, uh-huh. um, to kind of start thinking about what was in the collection? Because actually, we we don't. Know loads about our collection. Yeah, you know, we're not experts. Experts about it. We're still learning loads about it. And um, it's been, uh, you know, our collections manager is very new, so that's quite an exciting time, I think, to be working about. That's
0: a really actually. nice flip because mm. normally, I guess, what in in this kind of scenario where artists engage with collections, they're coming to the the working with curators who are very very familiar with the materials. Yeah. But actually, like you know, artists, are fantastic fantastica research and, yeah. like, discovering stuff about about the materials and stuff that yeah. they engage with, Yeah. Um, so, it, um it, so that sounded like it was a new, uh, like a relatively sort of yeah. new way of working. Um, I, I wanted to ask um, Tim and Alison, maybe if we start with you, Tim, like, because you'd not done a research residency before, I'm right in saying that on time before, you'd done the, the one with, with us. I just wanted to get what yeah, well, maybe, yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we... Um, we,
3: we had done something of the kind. Uh-huh. But I mean, the Horniman does things quite unofficially sometimes, yes. and so um, an artist called Mark Fernington, uh-huh. um, who's based at UAL, had, for some, I don't, we don't know how he did it, but he managed to find a way into the stores. Uh-huh. And he, he, I think he spent four or five years in there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he kind of came out every and again. Uh-huh. But he's, he just, he, he, you know, some people are very good at finding their way into yeah. organisations, and he spent four or five years working with the collections uh-huh. and their curators, completely unofficially. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and actually, one of the reasons we thought our quest is a brilliant idea is because uh-huh. we thought, actually you know, having that length of time and that kind of informality yeah. and trying to take the pressure of artists, really, so that uh-huh. we they didn't have to... Because yeah, often we were commissioning to do a particular thing. Mm. Um, actually, it, it kind of releases the pressure both from the artists and also from the organisation. Yeah, um, And so we sort of done it, um, but we had done it very informally. hadn't kind of had the structures that I think ArtQuest really brought, mm. which I thought were really... I mean, just in terms of... You know the transparency, yeah. and the, the the recruitment, and making sure that there was a very clear understanding p- between the organisation and, and the artists from the, outs- the outset. Um, there were kind of kind of interesting issues about that, and uh, one of the artists, Helen, is here today, so she can you know inform you know, if you want to talk about this, Helena, and <laughs> tell everybody what it was like to work with us. Um, and I think things have gone well, and there are some things that we would change, yeah, but that, having that having that um, the opportunity to work. In a in a less pressurized way, yeah. Um, but with the support of ArtQuest was really invaluable. Oh,
0: great! And what what, what about you, Alison?
3: From yeah, the I
2: mean, I think for us, I mean, we'd done, we'd had an artist approach us who was doing a PhD, and she basically organised her own kind of residency here, which we didn't really have much to do. So it wasn't. I mean, it was a sense of you know she was here, but she wasn't in a mm. way, and so for us it was. A really great way of us and at that time I think we were really starting to explore the different ways that we might kind of engage with artists and have them engage with us and a bit more so it was great and for me I mean the big thing about this is that you know I've never had time to think in my job here and just the kind of you know I mean the first two years you know being here I fire basically the entire time I did nothing proactive Uh whatsoever which feels awful to have to say when you're trying to set up a new museum you should be thinking about these things but it didn't happen and so that concept of just having that breathing space to think Uh was just seemed amazing to be able to offer that to artists and also just to See, because, I mean, you know, our collections are really kind of broad here, Mm. you know. I mean, they range from kind of, you know, archive material to sort of, you know, a music collection and to the art collection and the various artefacts around it. For us, it was like a, you know, an open kind of thing of what are people going to look at? What are they going to choose to focus on? And that was really exciting for us because, again, I think for us, you know, the bits of our collection we know... A lot about, but there's so much of it, and just having somebody kind of hit on something we might not have thought was significant was exciting.
0: But I mean, that's interesting to hear because, and uh, I should own up—I'm very, I'm a glass half-empty person. (laughs) So, so the the flip side, the the, the flip side to um, you know, it's great having an artist in and engaging with the sort of collections, is that. well, I mean, we, it, it's come up already, this issue of sort of time and sort of firefighting and stuff. Were there any... So I just wanted to ask, what kind of hesitations are there about engaging with artists? Because I think it's helpful to artists, for artists to hear that from the museum's perspective as well, because as a practitioner myself, I, sometimes I know it, you get very enthused about a particular thing that you want to engage with, or, you know, I really want to work with this museum. What, what, what are the kind of, sort of barriers that might prevent an artist from... In, engaging or an institution yeah. from working with an artist.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess for us, a lot of that was, you know, do we actually have time to yeah. give enough support to artists? And so over the three years, that that did change. And I think we were really fortunate in that all kind of, well, four, because um, Gabriel and Sophie, you did the last one, were kind of a duo yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. working together, were quite self-sufficient which was amazing for them. and particularly our first one coincided with us completely redoing our introductory gallery. And so, you know, I'd kind of meet Lucy for 15 minutes at lunch, and that would almost be it. And so, you know, I mean, I kind of feel that from an institutional perspective, you know, if you are going to commit to doing this, you need to make sure you can yeah. provide that... And I think that felt perhaps that we maybe slightly failed on that level at points and not actually being present and being there to to give the people. But, I mean, when Tom talks later, (laughs) he can maybe talk about whether or not he felt that and how we might have done that better (laughs) in that sense. But, yeah, and I guess, you know, I mean, the advantage was that ArtQuest were paying and, you know, we... As all museums, you know, there's never money to really do what you want to do with these things. Yeah. So that just felt kind of something. I think that's always a challenge yeah. in that trying to get both the time and financial resources to really do something well. Because, yeah. you know, if you're going to do something badly, what's the point?
0: Mm. Yeah. What, um, um, Bethany, was there any kind of, did you have to like, do any convincing within, I mean, I guess it's slightly different for Battersea Art Centre because you're working with, artists all the time on a on a sort of day-to-day yeah, yeah, basis yeah. So it's core to what you do but was that what what kind of sort of internal arguments needed to be made to for this new kind of way way of working who were the main stakeholders within the institution yeah, yeah, i guess yeah.
1: i think um there's yeah there is challenge in terms of the yeah the balance i guess time, our t- time's really limited yeah like there's very few of us who have the museums. so Aspect of our work is essential, sure. Um, and and um, there is a, yeah, a real pressure between you know, cataloguing and, and and really understanding what collection we have, mm. alongside you know, enabling people to engage. And that's something as someone who comes from a theatre background, I find really interesting about museum practice, which is that balance between kind of preserving something for an um, unpromised future, an unknown future, and, and the energy that you put into that versus mm. enabling people to access it now, and that that kind of um, that stress that those two things can sometimes they complement each other but sometimes they also kind of against each other and yeah. have limited time um that, that can be a factor I guess um, but yeah no I guess we, are, we have quite a different perspective whereas I, I'm more of kind of need people to know that we have a museum yeah. that <laughs> that people come to, because so much of our work is about artists coming to us and saying I really want you to support this idea that I'm working on mm. and they bring funding from elsewhere to make that happen you know they've got the arts council or something like that um, and, I, I, you know, my dream is that people are coming to us because of our collection uh-huh. and, our, and our building's history, which is the case some of the time. But, mm. um, that's something that I think could do more of. And I guess a lot of our work that we've previously done in, the, in, in relation to heritage has been very building-specific context specific to Wandsworth. So it's work that for those artists won't necessarily have a life beyond our building and our programme, and our program. yeah. um, whereas so much of the work we do with artists they then have to do that work and have the opportunity to um, keep um, showing that work in other places. Yeah. So I guess what I'd be interested in with that kind of research angle that you guys, is, is that opportunity for people to really perceive something that they feel like has a uni- more universal relevance and something that has come from them so that they can really, yeah, take that on. Mm. And, it, and it really is their work um, that we are supporting in the same way as it would be for anything else that we would work on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how's your experience of it been, Tim? Um, I think it just
3: mirrors very much yeah. what's been said already. But I, I suppose, I suppose, one of the one of the things. I mean, from the outset, I think it's just managing expectations from a yeah. very early 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 point, so that um, so that both for the artist and for the organisation we we're really clear about mm. what uh, what we can deliver. And I think we did it okay. I think there were some issues around the residencies, particularly. Um, Particularly around the outputs, you know, yeah. so, so, so one of the things that a lot, of, well, a lot of museums struggle with their spaces, because they're very contested, very complicated spaces, they have kind of all of this, these, these, these demands on them, both from different parts of the organisation but also just in terms of managing the environment and the, the care of the collections. So, so they're, they're quite unforgiving spaces. So one of the things that, the, the, one of the responsibilities I have within the organization is to try to manage that out as much as possible. And so, and so one of the things that I did very early on was talk to our trustees, for example, and with my colleagues on the senior management team about the importance of this work. Mm-hmm. And I think trying to embed that into the organization yeah. is important and it helps. There's still there's still friction. I think there's a there's a there's you know any relatively large organisation like the Horniman, you work in silos, inevitably. Yeah. And 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 um, the people that are very close to the project, you know, really embrace it and love it. It's just it's just all of those support bits, you know, so when you when you move out to the visitor services team, you know, have they been fully informed and involved? Sure. You know, are the collections management team aware? So, it, it's, 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 it's having that conversation at early stage with the artists, I think, to sort of to begin to get, them, get, get a sense of, um, a shared sense of the complexity of the organisation. Mm. And to a certain extent, that's one of the most useful learning things, both for us as an organisation and, and, and I hope for the artists as well. So, so, we evaluate that, we try to understand what the barriers are, mm. and then begin to regu- reduce them as, mu- as much as possible to, to make a much more creative um, uh, space. I think it's work in progress. I mean, yeah. I mean you know, Anila will talk very, you know, could talk very well about the, the challenges that we've had in working as an organisation in developing a very um, community-focused, social arts practice-led mm. project. Yeah. Um, which I think brought all sorts of challenges. But, but, but I think if you've got that commitment at the, in the senior management team... Yeah. I think that helps enormously. Sure,
0: yeah. I mean, the, this, this sort of thing about output and um, kind of results is always a, a difficult one, particularly in the context of a research residency, where on the one hand you're saying, "Here's all this stuff. Go find. You know, come up, come up with something." Uh, we don't, we don't want uh, we don't want a, um, we don't want to be prescriptive about what you do, but somehow the what you do still needs to kind of engage with audience or or like show collections in a sort of different way Uh, so i I guess i just had a question for everyone about how how do you sort of balance that how do you um kind of uh coach the artist or lead the artist or suggest directions for the artist um while keeping things open for them i guess maybe start with you
2: I guess, I mean, for me, one of the things that I hadn't kind of expected was how much the artists would actually be engaging with people Uh in that sense. And because we didn't have any kind of space within our kind of offices to kind of give them. Everybody kind of decamped into our staff room, which is where all the staff and all our volunteers come to kind of have tea and lunch, and they basically sort of almost live there and then out in the wider spaces. And so... You know, I mean they talk to everybody who's involved in the museum and visitors as well. Like there was that thing like, you know, you'd have somebody out in a room who might be trying out an idea and the visitors would be wandering in and out and they'd be talking and I think that was something that I felt that actually the artists got a lot out of was uh-huh. actually the finding out how everybody involved from kind of the staff to the volunteers to the visitors was engaging with what they were trying to engage with. So for me, that was kind of quite an exciting thing. And, you know, so, you know, we needed some way to be able to say to our wider audiences, hey, we're doing this, uh-huh. and it's great. So for us, that was the, some kind of public event, and it was completely up to the artists what they kind of did with that. Yeah. And, but, yeah, I think that is really important for an institution of, you know, you can't just have something happening that nobody knows about.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, what, what's been interesting over the years, and the, the, the different kind of organisations are seeing the different shape that these things have, have sort of taken. I'm, I'm sure we, we'll probably hear more about um, uh, the... Uh, some of this in the in the artist panel, but but w- 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 another thing is that these events often aren't the end, are they? They they they're sort of start of an ongoing relationship often. So I just wondered because I know um, the Horniman have, have got some ongoing conversations going with some mm-hmm. of the artists, and there was a there was a exhibition of um, one of the artists, um, yeah. Joshua Sh- Sofar's work. I wondered if you could say a little bit about how yeah. how, how that got negotiated. Yeah, so so
3: so. One of the things, one of the complexities of initiating the kind of relationship is is, is that people are expecting it to, to produce more than just, I think, what it, it is funded within the residency. I think yes. That's, and, and it's a kind of... It's a complicated thing to negotiate. And so, and so we're very aware that when we're sitting down with the artist, it's a research residency. Um, there's funding for the residency, but not for the outputs. Um, and... From the very earliest days, because we have to manage expectations and our spaces are very complex to, to exhibit, and we say, you know, we really, really can't promise anything. You know, we, you know, we, we have programming points within the year, particularly around performance and participation and, and lectures and talks, and, um, which, which we encourage the artists to think about in terms of outputs. But actually exhibiting in the space is a very, very complex um, process for us. Mm. Having said that, um, um, Joshua was interesting because Joshua, he's not here still, is he? No, he He, couldn't, he's traveling so uh, Joshua, um we were interested in when we were sort of looking at Joshua's practice, we were interested because it was very participatory and it was about working with people and which is something that we were really interested in at horniman And when Joshua came to us he uh he, he said I I do that sort of work but I'm really interested because it's this is a chance to pivot, you know to do something new, and so he actually spent his time developing his making and making things. Um, and so he was obsessed with noses, so he basically produced a series of noses associated with the collections, um, which, which you can wear, so these are wearable kind of noses, one of which was the, the Horniman's nose, the bust of Horniman, so he reproduced Horniman's nose, he so can um, so so we, we we thought these were really interesting and we thought they really would really engage with our public. So that we then decided that we'd put those on display. Now... At the very outset, we said to Joshua that we weren't interested in, in, in we were interested in participatory work, and we weren't going to be doing displays. <laughs> but but one of the things that does happen is that things change, and I think as long as I mean, I, think, I suppose the hall maybe it's a bit more flexible. Than some of the other museums I've worked in, so perhaps we do have a bit more flexibility around the stuff, but it can be negotiated. Um, I think you just at the very outset you just need to be really clear I yeah. think about what, what you, what's not on the table and, and
0: then let's see how it develops um, that's really yeah that's really true isn't it it's yeah but just to try to try to it's all about managing expectations but and kind of related to that subject I just wanted to ask you all in terms of maybe for the residencies and for your projects as well like um, what kind of stuff do you do you look for in, 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 a, in a proposal or in, in, in the artist so in, in terms of the residency applications maybe we can talk a little bit about um yeah how how you thought you'd fa- found the right artist um and then um actually what would be really helpful to hear a little bit more about bethany as well is that because you've you when we spoke we, we talked a little about this scratch process which is kind of a um a, a different way of working with artists so it'd be helpful to hear about that as well mm-hmm. so maybe if i start with allison for that
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we were possibly asking for almost the impossible. Uh So, I mean, you know, there was this application thing of come up with a proposal, but actually we didn't want anybody who had a completely fixed idea about what outcome would Mm be. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, come up with an idea, but come up with not an idea at the same time (laughs) is a a big thing to ask. And I think, you know... I think for us, we were looking for artists who would challenge us and our perceptions of what our collections, what our narratives were all about. Because, I mean, for me, one of the exciting things about the fact that we have an enormous team of volunteers is that they all bring their own perspective to it, which means that visitors get a completely different engagement when they come. So, you know, you can come on two days and you'll get something completely different out of the space and also, obviously, what they bring themselves. But, yeah, I think that kind of concept of, you know, someone came with something where they were like, yeah, well, I want to do this on that. But, like, well... For us, that kind of wouldn't work, because we were doing the, well, we want you to come and explore and Mm. come and have fun, I guess.
0: Yeah.
2: It was quite a crucial thing for me, you know. It was like, you know, I mean, we were really looking for people who were very serious about their practice, but I think also that element of wanting to play with things and wanting to look at what we did very differently.
0: sense of curiosity and discovery. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Tim, in terms of the, the Horniman applications?
3: So, so what we look for is we, we, we want a a sense that the artist has an empathy with the, the vision and the collections that we have so, mm-hmm. so 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 that's important We want somebody that, that has a you know, has a commitment to this broader vision of, um, of caring for the environment mm-hmm. and and working in a participatory way so so th- those values are really important to, to us um, i think I think that the the I mean, particularly for this, for this set of research residencies, we were interested in artists that were thinking about shifting practice. So so we, you know, so we thought one of the things that we can offer is an opportunity for people just to rethink. And so when we were, when we were um, going through the selection process, we were really interested in artists saying, well, you know, I've been doing this for some time, and this is a real opportunity for me to do something different. Mm. We weren't interested... In profile, you know, we you know we weren't interested in big name artists, or you know, we were interested in artists who were empathetic, who had the practice was in some way participatory. So they were they were going to be involved with the staff and ideally with our public and, as well, um, I, you know. And and I, I agree with you. I think it was it was interesting because one of the challenges that was the process almost artists to come with an idea, mm-hmm. and then, and then instinctively you do that, don't you? Say yeah. this is what I'm going to do, and. And so, the, you know, so the moment we, we agreed then to to work with the artist, we had to reel all of that back and say, okay, we, you know that was really interesting, but we didn't pick you to do that. We want to, you to spend three or four months here, thinking.
0: Yeah. And um, Bethany, in terms of um, your, well, the, the process was called the sketch process, scratch, scratch process. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Because I mean, that's kind of like. Could you talk a little bit about yeah. that? How that how that process kind of helps, helps you kind of find the right. Kind of collaborators, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, scratch is a process that we've been using for at least 15 years at the Arts Institute, and yeah, it originated, um, in how we develop work for theatre, but actually, it's something that we use now across how we develop architecture, how we develop work with teachers, with um, social entrepreneurs. So, it's a process that we use a lot, um, and I guess it is something, and um, so we ran a project called Creative Museums, um, which is working with lots of small museums, which is kind of I just Manchester Jewish Museum um, and we found that Scratch is really helpful um, when supporting um, museums, small museums to work with artists particularly who maybe are growing in confidence in how they do that so um, Scratch I guess is an iterative process so the idea It's interesting when we're talking about um, research and outcomes and, and both of you talking about how interested you were in them not being shut away in a room but actually engaging with people and Scratch very much um, ensures that so the idea is that um, you encourage that artist to share work at a very early stage with beneficiaries that they're hoping to engage with so before they know what they're doing, when they've still got loads of questions, actually that's the moment when they need to just open up and, and continue to share and actually just to see those public moments as as part of the research, mm. um, as opposed to separate from that. Um, and that they they it was, I guess, in in the way that you talked about this research, it being a research period with no promise of the outcome, I think um, it's always really helpful to actually start start with that. Even if you know you have money to commission something at the end, to start a relationship where we're gonna have this in different stages, and at each stage we're gonna um, have a moment where we can say, is this still the right thing? You know, Do we still want to go to the next stage and keep mm. working together? And that's what Scratch also enables you to do, is to kind of grow an idea together um, and see each other as collaborators. And I think that's something maybe that some of the small museums struggled with, is that sometimes um, when working with artists, they see, OK, so we've got this great artist in, we've asked them to do this thing, and then they're going to go and do it. And they're the experts. Um, but actually... Um, I think having that confidence that you are experts um, around your community, around your place, um, and um, that kind of the, the potential. And the artists actually really, really value having that collaborative process and that support. So kind of thinking about how by testing things at an early stage, getting feedback from the audience or the visitors or the beneficiaries that you want that idea to um, yeah, benefit, and then feeding that process that feedback back into the process, learning from it, continuing your development, testing it again and keeping on doing that until you you, you feel like you have a really solid product that you know works for people you want it to work for. And what that allows as well is is for people to take risk Um, because when we really started this process um, for theatre making, people didn't show anyone anything until it was the opening night and they had all the (laughs) press in. And actually, it meant that nobody took any risks because there was too much at stake mm. by the time you did that. So by saying to people, OK, we're going to test it out really early on when you still don't know what it is, and you haven't invested much money, and you haven't invested much time, and, and it allows people to, to, to take risks and to innovate and to do things they haven't done before. And I guess um, I didn't say that as an organisation, we have quite a new purpose, which is to inspire people to take great risks, to shape the future. So I guess when we're talking about who we want to work with, we want to work with people who are challenging themselves and, and innovating their art form, but also, um, yeah, uh, thinking about ideas um, which are new and um, maybe um, haven't been explored before or stories that haven't been shared before and, and thinking about how, how their ideas can have like a wider impact, I guess, is what we're really, really interested in. And, yeah social change and working with communities is also
0: very much a part mm. of that great thank you um i wanted to open it up to you all now um <laughs> to take any sort of questions comments or insights this is normally the point where i get tumbleweed but please don't be <laughs> please please don't be shy we, <laughs> So. Any-